Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michael Show. We uh, are into our third hour, and today is the day of mental reckoning. Might be the best way to put it. This hour of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Quick Trip. Quick Trip uh, might head over there today. Might go to the, uh, the the beer cave and drown some sorrows later on tonight. I got nothing tonight. Um, I got nothing going on. I'm going to do a few things around the house, and uh, that's about it. Tonight is just take it easy, maybe watch a little baseball. Uh, but that's it. Not a whole lot happening. So uh, maybe even check out some hockey. Who knows? Maybe do that. But tonight might be one of those uh, take-home meal nights from Quick Trip. And, by the way, they do have some good specials going on. They've got some specials on fried chicken. They've got uh, the loaf of bread for 99 cents, but plenty to find from our friends over there at Quick Trip. And thanks to, to them for being a part of the program. Um. I got a text from a friend of mine who said, well, what do you think if, uh, you know, LaFleur actually needs another veteran alongside Jordan Love? I, I, you know, and I get that because, you know, they got rid of, you know, any backup that had any veteran experience and any experience in Matt LaFleur's system and anybody to really rely upon. They went with Sean Clifford, and I understand that. You want to go young, but... But he sat behind, you know, he sat behind Jordan or sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. You know, I, I don't know how much more he could learn, take away, learn how to study, what to think, how to how to react. I mean, you know, and he's got Tom Clements, right? Tom Clements is his old school veteran as veteran can get. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm. I hope this situation gets better. I hope that what we've seen over the last two weeks is just a bad apparition. But I'm. I mean, okay. If I ran a poll question right now, do you see this team getting better over the next five weeks? What would your answer be? Right. What What would your answer be? Probably not. Right. No. I don't. I think they go to Denver and get beat. Not because the defense gives up a bunch of points. The defense will probably give up anywhere from 17 to 24 points. But I don't think this offense has the ability to score points. I really don't. I don't think Matt LaFleur has the creativity. I don't think the offense has the ability. And if you had to say the identity of this offense is, they're a dink and dunk offense, man. They don't have the ability to go downfield. This is scary. You know? I I, I don't think they can score. So if, if, if they don't beat Denver, who are they going to beat? Chicago again, maybe. Um, when I originally said seven, maybe eight wins, the over and under was seven and a half. I started to buy into the hype. I bought into the first game. I thought, oh, maybe they can do this. Maybe they can do this. Maybe they can get a couple of wins. You know, had they had they not screwed up the field goal and actually beat Atlanta, they're sitting there with an extra win on their. You know, they're, they're, it looks a lot different with three wins at this point rather than two, 
you know. But last night, when it comes to the penalties, they didn't have, you know, because Phantom talks about the penalties, yeah. But they didn't have many last night. They only had three or four. There wasn't much to it. Do you think Do you think this team can win, say, two games or three games over the next five? I don't. Grant, do you? I think they can. I, I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. I just think he sometimes doesn't coach good. Does that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, no, I think he has I get it. good scheme, and I've seen him make good fourth down decisions and, and be smart with the clock, but last night he did none of those things. That That's why last night was such a good opportunity is because the Raiders aren't good. And Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, how many chances did Josh McDaniels give them last night, Bill? Just being a bozo. Oh, numerous. Yeah. Numerous. Yeah. And they that just it, though. They, they've, they had a, a, opportunities against Detroit, couldn't get it. They just got manhandled. Had opportunities against Vegas, couldn't get it, couldn't get done. Had opportunities against Atlanta, couldn't get over the hump. You know, I, it, it took Derek Carr going down in the game with New Orleans for them to win that game. So I, I don't, I don't know. Should they, should they beat the Broncos? Yeah. Will they then beat the the Vikings? Vikings are pretty. Vikings can score. But that'll be a close game. At least it's at Lambeau. Should they then beat the Rams? Especially now that they've got Cooper Cup back and they've got a, a dual weapon weapon threat for Matthew Stafford. I'm going to say no. Will they Will they win at Pittsburgh against that defense? No. Will they beat the Chargers? No. Will they win at, at Detroit? No. Kansas City? No. They may beat the Giants at that point. The Buccaneers, no. The Panthers, maybe. At Vikings, maybe. Against the Bears at home, they'll win that game. So if you just go through that, say they win the Broncos, that'll give them, what, three wins. Uh, They split with the Vikings, that'll be four. Lose to the Rams, lose to the Steelers, lose to the Chargers, lose to the Lions, lose to the Chiefs. Maybe beat the Giants, there's five. Beat the Panthers, there's six. And the Bears, there's seven. So that's seven wins. If they play better, but if they play the way they did last night, they're not winning one game the rest of the rest of the year, including the Bears. I don't think seven wins is is a catastrophe, Bill. If they go, what would that be, seven and ten? Like that's right in the neighborhood we expected. I think what's frustrating is we want to see ups and downs, and we want to see improvement. Right. And right now we're basically only seeing downs, and it's getting worse every week. You know yep. what I mean? Like I. I'm not saying that Packers fans should ignore the wins and the losses because the results matter. And last night was totally a game that they should have won. But if over the next month, things look like they're trending in the right direction and the receivers continue to maybe get better and be on the same page further and further every week, that's great. They don't need to win 10 games for this to be a successful season. But right now, we're not getting ups and downs. We're just getting downs, and it's gotten worse every week for the last month. Let me let me ask you this. Let's say they're off this next two weeks. They The, the injuries aren't terrible, so they're pretty much back to full strength, uh, short of Bakhtiari when they come back. If after two weeks off, they can't score in the first half again against Denver and they get beat, at that point, then, do we sound the alarm? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. I Look, if they go into Denver and they lose by a field goal, but, the, but again, the offense looks competent and it looks like they have a game plan and they're executing it, I'm not saying I don't, I don't care if they win or lose. 
the way the game looks is way more important to me than the result. Like, if if the Packers would have won at the buzzer last night, Bill, would you feel that much better about them today? Would you feel that no. much better? Exactly. Th- that's what no. I'm saying. So, I, 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 I obviously, Denver stinks, and I want them to beat Denver, but the way that game looks coming out of the bye is way more important to me than the actual result. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. If they look, if we see the same thing and they happen to pull one out, specifically, let's say they pull one out in the fourth quarter, then... Matt LaFleur goes to the, boy, they keep keep fighting there. I'm so proud of them. And, you know, okay, yada, yada, yada. Well, my question is, Matt, why does your team stink in the first half of ballgames? Why does it take them getting beat for you to flip the switch or them to flip the switch to turn around and start playing decent football? Because if it's the same old, same old, and like I said, you, your defense has been on the field almost two full quarters, more than the offense has. You've scored a total of 26 points in the first half of games so far this season. In the last three games, you've total, scored a total of six points in the first half of a ball game, And your offense can't get going until their backs are so far against the wall that suddenly they have to start winging it. My question is why? Why is your team not prepared? Why can't you come out and start off hot? Why can't you start off with a good series of offensive play calling? Why is this inept? That's when I start to get angry. Because all we're doing is put a band-aid, putting a Band-Aid on an, on an open wound that we all can see, but we don't want to admit. You know, it's kind of like, well, we got to give them this chance. We, we, but we all see it. It's starting to be like a really dim light at the end of the train track, and you see it coming. And it's only going to get brighter. And unless they turn this around, and suddenly they start, it starts clicking. Suddenly everybody starts getting it. Unless they turn it around, at what point do you say, yeah, the light's getting bright and we know it's going to happen. So just cut bait with the inevitable. Whether it's cutting bait with coaching staff, cutting bait with the experiment of Jordan Love, because we all know it's a one-year contract. Whatever it is you're going to do, at what point do you look at this and say, you're three, four, five games into this thing and your offense in the first half of ball game sucks? And that's supposed to be when it's supposed to shine the brightest because you're supposed to get off to a fast start to help your defense. And, and, and at that point, I look at Matt, Matt LaFleur and say, where's the Matt LaFleur offense? Where's your influence? You talk about adaptability to each and every player. Where is that adaptability? Because all we've seen you do is adapt it down to nothing. You're scaling it back. You're not expanding it. You're not accentuating somebody. The only thing you did was give, was, was give A.J. Dillon uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm done with the Quadzilla thing because he's not a road grader and he doesn't run over people. He's not Derrick Henry. He's nowhere close. So stop with the Quadzilla thing. It, it's stupid. He stinks. He's, he, he stinks. Okay? But at least last night you saw him run hard. If he was – if he was, he would be Quadzilla if he had the big quads and he was running like Derrick Henry and running over people and taking guys downfield. But he's not. So stop. This whole thing is just it, – it's a facade of garbage. And we've been sold a bill of goods. And, and, and the, the trend is getting worse. It's not getting better. Now we're going to self-scout again. And we're going we're gonna to change things up. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at the tape again. Well, look, what, you're going to see the same crappy mistakes, the same bad play calling, the same scaling back for an inept quarterback at this point? What, what are you going to do? And I know people say it's an overreaction, but it's like this is what I've been saying the whole time. And I've tried to give him credit where credit is due because he has done good things. But I look at this this whole bill of goods you try to get sold. You know, people try to sell you every week, and I'm like, no, this is crap. And we all know it. Here comes the here comes the light down the end of the train track. Uh, let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I, I promise I'll get to the phone calls. Hang in there. We got more of the Bill Michael Show. 
covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions supply. See showroom for details. Offers on 1031 Good to have you back. I know. I tend to get uh, hard at times. Appreciate you coming back, joining us. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Cruise Planners. And if you want to go away, you want to relax, you want to get away from aggravation and agitation like myself, uh, which I completely understand. And I I would even applaud. (laughs) But... Uh, if you're thinking about throwing the snow shovel down and just going somewhere and relaxing, thinking about a warm, sandy place, maybe it's a, a beach, an all-inclusive resort somewhere, whatever it happens to be, our friends over there at Cruise Planners, Land and Cruise Vacations, they can help you out, maybe take away some of the stress and aggravation of this season. Uh, call them, 262-344-0697, 262-344-0697. Get a hold of Kirk over there, maybe he can help you, okay? Uh, I think maybe we could all use that couple of beverages. I think I might do that tonight. 262-344-0697. By the way, and I want to say this again, I apologize. We're not on Facebook the next couple of days because for whatever reason, um, Facebook put us in jail. So, and it happens. I don't know what it was. But uh, before we went into jail last night, we did get the video up. I got the video up. I went down to the wagon wheel last night for those that were asking about the drink. And I showed everybody how to make it. It's right there on Instagram. It's right there on Facebook. So if you didn't see it, you didn't catch it, it's go, go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michael Show or Instagram.com slash The Bill Michael Show and follow me, and you can see it all right there. So I did, I did that last night. I, did, I was allowed to uh, at least do that before they, uh, they shut me down. So we'll be back on Thursday, but I guess we got, we got publicly spanked, I guess. Oh, well. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to uh, call in, let's get back to it. Let's go to Joe listening to us in the pier. Joe, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Uh, very, very good, uh, Bill. couple things. First is, why do we think uh, LaFleur is a great coach or a good coach? Every big game, it seems like he's failed or they haven't finished. Look at the games recently against Detroit at the end of the year last year, Detroit this year. Uh, the the they're not looking good at all. But I would also like to say, as fans, we must overestimate our talent because 
Christian Watson, what did he have, six good games? And we think he's a yeah. star. He drops a bomb yesterday. He doesn't make a play in the end zone uh, to help his quarterback out. I think mm-hmm. that sometimes we overestimate our talent. Jair Alexander, the same way. We think he's this great shutdown corner. How often is he injured? How often does he miss tackles? What happened in the Atlanta game? We way overestimate our talent. Maybe we just don't have the talent we thought we had. It's possible. You, you're you're not you're not off, and you're not wrong. I'll, I'll tell you that. I appreciate the phone call. When you look at the evaluation of Christian Watson, I, that's a big INC. It's incomplete because you just don't know. What you do know you have is a guy with speed. And with that speed comes a tightly wound human being that every now and then is going to pop the, pop the rubber band, and that is the hamstring, and he's not going to be available. Last year he showed that if he can catch the football, he, he can be a, a viable asset. But he hasn't shown it continuously. You know, I mean – you watch a guy like Jamar Chase go up and get it. You watch a guy like Jeff- Justin Jefferson go up and get it. You watch Tariq Hill, who's got speed, go up and get it and fight for a football. Some of these, and again, goes back to being young. I understand that. Some of these guys don't get that. You know, I was Kristen asked me this this morning. We were talking. And she said, well, why are these guys good in college and they get drafted? Why do they not excel in the NFL? And it's a very valid question. And I sat down and I very much easily explained it in this sense. I said, everybody that's in the NFL was a star and played extremely well in college. And in college, you look at your season in the realm of two games, a bowl game, or a BCS game. And she said, what do you mean? I said, because for the most part, in college, if you just go through like the Badger schedule or Ohio State schedule, you're going to have 12 games, nine of which, eight of which are going to be give-me's. Those are games you should win. You should beat that guy across from you because they're nowhere. They're not the same level of talent as you, okay? Right, okay. So you're going to shine, which makes everybody go, wow, this guy's really good. And then you're going to have four games that are going to be 50-50 games where you're really going to have to man up, okay? So out of your 12-game season, then you get into bowls and such. You got maybe three, four games where you really, you really got to man up. When you get to the NFL, you're drafted on your success. So you come to the NFL because you're right out of Ohio State, or you're right out of Michigan, or you're right out of Iowa, or you're right whatever. Okay, but when you get to the NFL, everybody in the NFL was in the exact same boat as you. Now it's not 50-50 games anymore. Anymore, it's not even that. Sometimes it's going to be 60-40, and you're not going to be winning that contest. Because everybody in the NFL is good. And it's the guys that excel. It's the guys that have the natural ability. It's the guys that have the smarts between the ears and have the heart and the wherewithal to get it done are the ones that are actually going to succeed. Because if you just think because you've made it to the NFL and you've got this ability, you've got this speed, you've got this strength, that you're just all you're going to roll your helmet out and win, you're not. And it'll humble you in a heartbeat. Because there are guys out there that want to rip your freaking head off. And if you don't have the same mentality as that, you're not going to survive in the NFL. And last night, what we saw was guys that wanted it more. Max Crosby wanted it more. Rashawn Gary plays that way. I, he has completely surprised me since they drafted him, but he plays that way. He plays like he wants it. You know, sometimes Jair doesn't play that way. He plays arrogant. He doesn't play play with substantive football and and heart and anger and I'm going to beat you across from me football. Christian Watson didn't play that way last night. 
So sometimes you, that's the reason. You can evaluate the talent, and it looks really good on paper, and then you get it into the system, and then you get it in the NFL, and it doesn't succeed. Sometimes it's not about the 40. That's why I say I hate the combine. Guy can run fast. Oh, great. But does he have a heart of a lion? You know, Brad Jones looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. He's got all the intangibles. Look great at the combine. Oh, they got a steal. Doesn't have the heart to do it. So sometimes you have to go find that. And sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. Christian Watson after the game last night, and I saw this quote and I actually liked it, Bill. He said, my number was called in some crucial situations and I didn't make the plays. Uh, he had three catches, nine targets. I love, I, I believe in Christian Watson. He seems like a guy without an ego. He's got all the physical traits. He just needs to stay healthy. I, I'm excited to watch what he does week after week. I think there's a lot of room for improvement the next few weeks with Watson. I also don't love, like, if you need a receiver to go up and get the ball and make a play, that's Romeo Dobbs. Man, don't you think, Bill? Right? Like, that's not what Watson yep. does. So I, I think part of that is usage. Part of that is coaching as well. Well, I, I would agree with that. Ryan Woods got a highlight. Uh, Jordan Love threw his first two games, six touch uh, through his first couple of games, uh, six TDs, no interceptions. Since then, it's two D- TDs and six interceptions in the past three games. And he had some uh, nasty ones last night. Yes, the young quarterback uh, turns the ball over until Love becomes efficient with the football security. Uh, the Packers are in trouble. That's from Ryan Wood, and I 100% agree. Now, you do see the play at that end of the game, basically, in which Jordan Love wailed it downfield and throws it, and Christian Watson wasn't able to come back and get it. And everybody this morning was criticizing Christian Watson for not coming back and getting that football because he should. He can't allow his body to flow into and through the end zone and not be able to jump and get a 50-50 ball, which is what Jordan Love basically gave him. But I, I, I think it's the combination – uh, of this now maybe this is going to be a learning point for Christian Watson because now he's being targeted to say look dude you're, you're fast we get it but the drops and your unwillingness to fight is garbage and nobody needs to see that and you're not going to last very long in this league go get your hamstring you know fixed and, and maybe just fade off into the sunset if that's the way you're going to play because unless they put the ball in your wide open hands you're nothing to us you're nothing and maybe last night was a, an awakening for him God hope God hope you know, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Coming up here in about five minutes, we got Chuck Freeman who is going to join us. He is at the Matt Arnold press conference down at American Family Field as the Brewers put a wrap on their season. We want to hear from uh, his thoughts on what Matt Arnold had to say because Matt Arnold obviously going to talk. The first question is going to be about Craig Council and uh, whether or not Craig Council is or is not going to remain as the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. So, and what's going on in that account. So we'll get back to Chuck coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Before I go, i, I got to get to Mike real quick in Whitewater. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Billy. Good afternoon. I'm like you. I feel like I'm back in the 70s and 80s watching the Packers. And I still say, as you've said, love doesn't have to, the arm to get that to Christian Watson. That hit the defender in the chest. There was no mm-hmm. way that uh, Watson was going to get that ball, even if he fought. Yeah, he, he needed to come back and at least knock that ball down to give them another opportunity, and he didn't do that. And like he, like you said, he threw that interception over the middle into three guys. Right. <laughs> there was three I had guys no idea there what he was there. doing. Yep. 100% And then agree. my my poor Warhawks lost to a good team, 51-yarder <laughs> into the wind at the end of the game. Yep, 
Yeah, I know. I, it, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. I, I know if you're a Warhawks fan, but man, what a appreciate the phone calls always, Mike. I got to run, but man, what a great uh, what a great game, and what a highlight game in the WEAC. You know, and you you, you do. I mean, uh, Whitewater's been on top for so long and been so dominant, had such an incredible program. To see a team like UW Lacrosse finally climb that ladder and get over the top and do it at Perkins Stadium in front of that big crowd, having the belief that they've got uh, they've got something they can do with, they can work with this season. I mean, kudos to lacrosse, but, yeah, I, I get you as a Whitewater fan. That, that's a heartbreaker, man, no doubt. Stay tuned. We got Chuck Freeman coming up next. In the- Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel has something you got to see. Play more slots and games, and you could say, show me the money, to reveal up to 10 grand each Thursday. 800,000 in prizes is up for grabs. 40 winners each week. This October and November at Potawatomi, Milwaukee, when you're ready to win, just say, show me the money. More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Welcome back. We're going to deviate away for just a couple of minutes from uh, Packers chatter. Talk a little Brewers baseball. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Steel Tank Brewing in Oconomowoc, the uh, the music venue almost open. Can't wait to get out there and check out a few uh, local bands, especially inside, because the outdoor season's come to an end. That's for sure. But Steel Tank Brewing also has tremendous food and a lot of craft beer on tap. That is Steel Tank Brewing Company, Roebrook Lane in Oconomowoc, right off of 67, right there, just north of 94, and right off of 67 behind the Exonia Bank. So check out Steel Tank Brewing. Bring him in now to talk some Brewers baseball. Matt Arnold uh, gave his end-of-season wrap on uh, the Brewers and uh, how things went for them. And to talk a little bit more about it, our guy Chuck Freeman uh, on the line with us from the uh, Locked on Brewers podcast. Chuck, so I I, I guess my first question, what everybody's wondering is, what did Matt Arnold have to say about uh, Craig Council and his return? Well, he had a whole lot to say about a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) As you know how how these seasons Heading press conferences come, you know, and then us in the media, you know, we're just trying to look for that little bit of information, something that could just carry us, something we can grab a hold of. And there was absolutely nothing. You know, he's waiting on Craig. I guess the biggest piece of news was he, he anticipates the entire coaching staff to come back next year, but he said it, it hinges on Craig. You know, the thing about council, he's attached to a contract uh, through October 31st. Arnold didn't talk about that, but he is. He's attached to this contract. It expires October 31st. Um, so I think if the Mets wanted to talk to him, they would have to get permission. And you know how Mark is about getting I mean, he wouldn't give right. David Stearns permission to talk to teams a few years ago. So I would think if he wants, if the Mets want to talk to him, he would say, okay, you could talk to him, but we need a little something in return here. You know, we need a little mm-hmm. compensation in return. And I, I would hope that he would do that. And I think he would. 
So I, I guess my next question then becomes what what do they feel they need to do roster-wise? Because, like you said, he's going to say a whole lot of nothing, but you've got decisions to be made on the pitching staff. You've got decisions to be made at first base, third base, what they're going to do total overall with the outfield, how they're going to infuse more sticks into this lineup. I mean, there's a lot of things going into next year that uh, Matt Arnold's got on his plate. Yeah, that would be that would be the answer. Would be a whole lot of everything there. Um, <laughs> he needs, you know, he didn't say anything in particular. You know, he talked maybe a touch about Mark Canna. You know, as Ted Thompson always says, or he used to say, uh, when, he's never going to give away the keys to the kingdom when he does these things. And Matt Arnold certainly wasn't going to do that, or John Horse would never does that with the Bucks. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at it. First and third base are the clear holes because you're not having, and he didn't say this, but you're you're not having either one of those guys back. Tyler Black, one of the promising prospects, is I would say would be their third baseman. He wasn't talked about today, but I would say he's going to get a shot at third base. But in the off season, they're going to have to target. You need power numbers at both of those positions, and just didn't get enough. I mean, third base was a revolving door. First base. You had Carlos Santana. You got him in a trade because Telez flopped out and was hurt anyway. But though I would start there. You have two. You have really two two places to really beef up your corner spots. Now upfield, you look at and you got to, you know you got a glutton of guys out there. I mean you have you have which is a good problem to have. You might find them trading or packaging one of those outfielders, and I'm not saying Garrett Mitchell or or, or Freelich. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Weimer is packaged or somebody else is packaged in a deal to bring back someone else because you have like five outfielders out there, five good young outfielders, plus the fact that you might re-sign Canna. I think if they sign re-sign Canna, he might be targeted for first base. He might be their first baseman because I think that's the guy you got to bring back. So – that would leave you third base and then depth in the outfield, which means you have to make your decision on what you're going to do over at shortstop. And Willie Adamas is really your only legit power hitter, but he had a bad overall season at the plate. Um, but, uh, you know, you tell me what you think they need to do. Well, I don't, I don't think that Willie Adamas has a whole lot of trade value as he might have had a couple of years ago uh, or last year. Uh, I, I don't think I think it's minimal. I don't think it's that that good. He had a just terrible year. Now we'll see. Well, you know the scouts might just attribute that to just having a bad year, or just maybe he's regressing as a player a little bit. Um, but they, you know, they need the corner spots. They need the shortstop. You got to figure out if Bryce Terang can hit and play second base. You know that's another thing you have to you know think over. Monasterio is nothing more than a utility player. You know what I thought was interesting, Bill. And, and, of course, he's not going to say anything less. <laughs> Arnold said today, he goes, well, yeah, Christian Yelich had a great year and he stayed healthy. Well, he didn't stay healthy. He missed a few games with the back. He had to sit out a little bit because of the back. So I wouldn't say he stayed healthy. Now, he might just be saying that to be saying that, but I don't know, Bill. I, I look at what Christian Yelich did this year, 19 home runs, what he hit around 270. I don't know if I'm paying $200 million. You know, I'm, I'm expecting he needs to be – He's regressed, obviously, and you'd like to see him get back to those days, but I don't think that's happening. And he's not going to come out there and say, well, you know, Yelich had a disappointing year. He played well in the playoffs in those two games, but overall, 
I mean, I'm still kind of disappointed at what we're seeing from Christian Yelich, considering where the bar was at one point for this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look, I people wanted me to admit all season that he's back, and I said he's not back. I mean, he didn't give you over, he didn't give you over 19 home runs. I mean, that that's not back. He he made his bones off of being able to hit the ball anywhere. He was one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball anywhere you put it. And he'd yank it out of the ballpark, whether it was down the right field line, the left field line, in the gaps, deep out of center, whatever. And he was one of the best and most feared hitters in baseball. And, and he's good. And certainly with the way the contract is drawn up, in a couple of years, if he continues to hit 275 to 285, yeah, he's going to earn the money, and it's going to be well worth it via the contract. But to, to say he's back, is not, that's not true. Yeah, I, I just think, though, when a team like the Brewers signs a guy to a big contract like that, I think if he if he hit, hit the 270 and 19 home runs, that's okay, I guess, in New York or Los Angeles in the big market. But here, Mark Antanasi will sign him with the notion that he's getting an MVP-type caliber player, a top-of-the-line player, a, a guy mm-hmm. who you mentioned with the, with the stars of the league. Right now, a, a few years ago, 2019, you mentioned Yelich with the stars of the league. 2018, you mentioned him with the stars of the league. When you talk about the stars of the, of the league right now, you don't mention Christian Yelich. And, and that's the, again, Atadaso signed him with him being one of the stars, you know, but he's not a star. He's a good player, but he's not right. a great player anymore. What do you do pitching wise at this point? Because we all know that the, the big discussion is going to be with, you know, Corbin Burns and how they're going to handle all of this. And, but what would you do right now with the pitching staff? Where do they need the upgrade? Well, their pitching is the best part of their team, and it's one of the best pitching staffs in the league. With that said, I'd still trade Corbin Burns. You're not going to re-sign him, Bill, in a couple of seasons uh, after next year. He, he becomes a free agent after next year. Um, you're you're going to have to go through another messy arbitration with him unless you trade him. But um, I would say, you know, you obviously he's not going – they're never going to give him a $200, $300 million contract. They just feasibly can't do that. So I would tra- you're going to have to trade him in the offseason. Uh, you know, Adrian Hauser, you're probably going to have to tender him. Keeping Wade Miley, I would do. Um, and Brandon Woodruff, the big question, you know, there was no update on his shoulder. He's having a second opinion on his shoulder this week, according to Arnold today. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's huge. You, I mean, you have to see what you have with Woodruff, who's going to be a free agent in the next couple of years. If he, you know, is he going to have these lingering shoulder problems? Is it going to shut down his career? It's going to limit his career. Is it going to prevent him from being great? He came back from the shoulder injury and was great this season after he suffered that in April. But I think you have question marks there of who's going to be. If Woodruff can't come back, okay, it's the same, you know, the worst possible scenario. If he can't come back and you don't have Burns, who's the ace of your pitching staff? Your bullpen already looks really good, especially when you got Piamps and you got uh, Williams, and then the emerging Aribe looks like a future closer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, do you put him into that position? Do you kind of move him towards that role? Or do you see if you can't get five or six outings out of him and suddenly he becomes uh, part of your rotation? Y- Uribe? Yeah. No, I think he, they look at him, and he looks at himself as a future closer. He's got big plans for himself as being a closer and – when, you know, when you're throwing a 101, 102, yeah, that's closer stuff. Um, you know, you just got to harness that control a little bit more. 
um, as we've seen, uh, you know, reared its ugly head in the postseason there and, you know, a game or two in the regular season. But, no, I think they look at him out of the bullpen, and he might be the eighth-inning guy next year. He might move ahead of Piamps. We'll see. A lot to be determined there. But, yeah, I think Devin, who's under control, is still, you know, he's still your closer. Uh, before I let you go, I mean, obviously we're waiting on uh, Craig Council. Now uh, the next question is, do you think they spend money this offseason? Do you think that they then pursue – uh, you know, a name or a bat. And you don't want a crazy overpay, but are we going to see one of these on the backside of their career retreads hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, guys? Or are we going to see them actually get involved in something that's going to have substance? Well, at the trading deadline, remember the rumblings were there were involved the trade talks with Pete Alonso at the Mets. Mm-hmm. Who, he's under one more year of control, meaning next year, you know, he plays under team control and then becomes a free agent in 2025. So maybe they jump back in into that conversation. Uh, you're hearing that the Cubs are interested in that, uh, in, in, in Pete Alonso as well. Got to keep him away from the Cubs. I'll be honest with you. You don't want him going to the Cubs. You don't want that bat. So he would be a huge bat. Now you'd have to, I, I would say though, if you're, if you're, if you only plan on getting him for a rental one year, no, but I would, you know, I'd love to see them invest some money in Pete Alonso. Probably not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we're looking at a Mark Canna resigning because he's the type of guy, he's the kind of guy who the Brewers fits in, you know, a guy who's not going to make a lot of money, yet he's going to produce and he's going to be a professional player and he's going to be a good clubhouse guy and you can play him everywhere. He's a perfect fit for the Milwaukee Brewers. Canna obviously put out a tweet last week that he wants to come back and he loves the, he loves playing here and all that. But I don't see them making any flashes you know they're going to have to pull off if they pull off a trade uh you know they'll get you know burns is their big piece obviously but you remember last year they pulled off the trade to get Contreras, and mm-hmm. that turned right. out to be the best that turned out to be one of the best moves in major league baseball because not only got you know they got him to to really outperform he he, he was one of those guys you just couldn't take out of the lineup because last year uh, he he had like 500. Oh, he had like 360 plate appearances. He had 600 with the Brewers this year. But you know, I don't I don't expect any blockbusters other than the fact that Corbin Burns. But you know, who saw Damian Lillard coming to the Milwaukee Bucks? <laughs> right, right. No, I, I I get it. But I I I would have loved to if Matt Arnold would have at least hinted at what the future holds like we do have money to spend we are going to pursue getting better in so many different facets whether it's free agency trade you know i i I, you always want to hear that they are on the path to getting better not the oh we'll wait and see we'll let you know you know and all that kind of stuff and you'd like to see some direction you know i don't think anybody asked him about atanasio are they going to spend more money this year you know that's an atanasio question because he'll always say Oh, we're spending money. Oh, we're cutting the roster. Oh, we're spending because nobody wants to hear him say, "Well, we're cutting, we're cutting salary." We, nobody wants to hear right. that. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know people will catch up with him in the off season to see what what's going on there. But it's going to be a busy, busy off season, Bill. The the middle of November is when they can tender or non tender some of these guys, like the you know the Corbin Burns. Obviously, is going to get tendered unless he's traded beforehand. But, you know, mm-hmm. Woodruff and all these guys, where there's going to be some decisions made 
you know, Rowdy Telez, are they going to tender him a contract or is he going to walk? Is Adrian Hauser coming back or is he going to walk? Um, we'll find out when the tenders come out in by the middle of November. But like I said, busy offseason, winter meetings. I'm looking forward to it. But he did say we got to get better. We do. They, they got to yep. get better in this offseason. And there's no doubt about it because, you know, it's no longer about making the dance anymore. And that was 2008. They've made the dance five of the last six years. Now they need to start busting some doors down and getting to the World Series. Good stuff as always, Chuck. Appreciate it, and uh, thanks for the updates out of the uh, fresh out of the Matt Arnold press conference, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. There's built locked on Brewers. You get it on YouTube. Go to search locked on Brewers mm-hmm. on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button there. That alerts you every time we get an episode on Locked On Brewers when you hit the bell. The Locked On Brewers on YouTube. And, of course, on all the podcasts and your favorite podcast platforms, go to Locked On Brewers. Please subscribe. We'll be here all winter long. And, of course, we'll be joining you as well, Bill. There you go. Hashtag hot stove stuff with our buddy Chuck. Chuck, talk to you soon, pal. <laughs> all right, Bill. There you go. That's uh, from Locked On Brewers, as he said. Uh, that is Chuck Freeman joining us for a couple of minutes, and you can find his stuff there. Certainly appreciate the update, and uh, again, you, you don't expect Matt Arnold to jump into the pond both feet and say this is what we're going to do, but you're kind of hoping that there would be some indication one way or the other as to what direction they were going to go. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hey, if you are heading towards the holidays and you're looking for a venue for a Christmas party, a get-together, a dinner, a small photo shoot, whatever it happens to be, Check out our friends at Northern Lights Event Venue. That's northernlightseventvenue.com. That's northernlightseventvenue.com. Just go there and see the place. It's amazing. It really, really is. And you can bring in, uh, you know, they cater in dinners. You can do a private party. You can do receptions. You can do rehearsal dinners, you know, bachelorette parties, bachelor parties. Combine them. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. So many different things you can do. That's our friends. NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Bob and the gang over there are awesome people to work with. So kind. And all they just want to do is just make sure that, that you have a, an incredible, hospitable time. And that's NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Again, NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Ready! This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, Coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers at 1031-2023.
Good to have you back. Got Mike Clements coming up here in about 15 minutes, so stay right where you are at. Don't go anywhere. Hey, speaking of don't go anywhere, once you get there, you don't want to go anywhere. You go to Buzzard Billy's, you sit down, you get something to eat, you enjoy yourself. You grub down, maybe like you're going to the electric chair later that night because it's that good. Then you head upstairs, you go to the Starlight Lounge. They have the craft cocktails and martinis and such, and oh, it is so, so good. And uh, that's right there in one building on Pearl Street in La Crosse. That's Buzzard Billy's, which uh, is just awesome downstairs, and Starlight Lounge upstairs. The Starlight Lounge, the 1950s-style cocktail lounge located on that second floor. It's just awesome. Great, great stuff from our friends at Buzzard Billy's and the Starlight Lounge and big supporters of the motorcycle ride. And uh, we'll be back at it again next year. Uh, looking forward to all of our sponsors who hang with us each and every year and become big supporters and not only uh, you know pay for a lot of this but also uh, help us with our on-site broadcasts and also all of our advertising for the motorcycle ride each and every season. So thanks so much to Buzzer Billy's and the Starlight Lounge for being a part of the program. Certainly, certainly appreciate it. 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. We've got another uh, segment of you and I chatting about last night's contest in the state of the Green Bay Packers. And then we're going to hear from our guy, Mike Clemens. He's going to be joining us uh, coming up here in just about 15 minutes, and we'll talk to Mike about what he witnessed last night, the tenor, if you will, in the locker room after the fact. It's always down after a loss, but this was this is different. This is this is a trend now that is not good. And, uh, and we'll get into all of that coming up here in just a little bit because Mike's got a lot of sound from inside that locker room last night from the feelings and emotions of a lot of the players that were a part of that contest, that ugly contest. Stay tuned. we got another hour yet to go. More of the Bill Michaels Show on this Your Reaction Tuesday. Stick around. We'll be back right after this.